You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, guys. I know it has been forever since I did a podcast. Um, but I have some ideas about what to do a couple of podcasts about. So I am doing what I used to do, which is just turning on the recording and talking. And uh, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, for the record, my name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division One athlete. His name is Jackson Powers Johnson, and he plays for the University of Oregon. Um, I think it makes sense at this point because if you've been listening to my other podcasts, you will know that previously I would introduce myself and I would say I have a Division One athlete and his name is Jackson Light and he is scheduled to play for the Univers- University of Oregon. Um, since I recorded those last podcasts and uh, now... Um, Jackson's still Jackson. He's still the same person he always was. Uh, the difference is, is that Jackson turned 18 in January of last year. And his first order of business when he turned 18 was to, uh, apply to get his name changed. And, uh, not a lot of people necessarily know why that is. So I thought I'd take a moment and explain that on this particular podcast so that you have insight into why Jackson would change his name. Uh, I was married to his biological father when uh, Jackson was born. And so he was born uh, Jackson Powers Light. And uh, his father and I got divorced when Jackson was about uh, two years old. And when Jackson was three years old, I started dating uh, James Johnson, who is my husband now. And uh, we got married when uh, Jackson was uh, three and a half or so. And we've been together ever since. And his biological dad uh, struggles with uh, different things. And so he... Uh, kind of exited from Jackson's life and was not part of raising him. And my husband, James, is the one that has raised Jackson since he was uh, three years old, three and a half years old. And so Jackson really has never known a situation in which James was not his dad. And for years and years and years, he would call him James. And then when he was about, I don't know, eight or or nine years old, one day he just came home and started calling him dad. And from that moment, he's been dad ever since. And uh, so when he, for years, he had said to me, I want to change my name. I want to change my name. I want to have the same last name as dad. And so I would say, well, when you're 18, you can get that done. Because frankly, I had no way of figuring out how to track down his biological father and get all the permissions signed and all that kind of shenanigans. And so when he turned 18, that's the first thing he did. He uh, got he graduated early from high school. 
He was headed up to uh, the University of Oregon. In fact, he was 17 when he arrived at the University of Oregon. And uh, luckily, I guess one of the silver linings of COVID was, is that court was not being done in person anymore. So he was able to get on the court docket here in Utah, where he was born and raised, and uh, petitioned to have his name changed. And at that time, not only did he change his last name, but he changed his middle name. And so he went from being Jackson Powers Light to Jackson James. He decided to give himself a new middle name, his his dad's name, James. And then instead of just being Johnson, he decided to incorporate his his previous middle name, which is my maiden name, Powers, and James's last name, Johnson. So... Moving forward, when I talk about Jackson, it's actually uh, no longer Jackson Light. It's now Jackson Powers Johnson. A lot of people call him JPJ. Um, It was the perfect time to do this name change because in college, frankly, nobody knows him as Jackson Light. They only know him as Jackson Powers Johnson. And it was just an incredibly great time to... uh, take our relationship as a family and make it legally official that we really were a family and the way we all felt about each other was in fact the way uh, the world could feel about us as a family and I tell you what I've never seen anyone happier in my life than my husband who was completely overjoyed and thrilled that Jackson had taken that upon himself and and changed his name. And uh, everybody at the University of Oregon was absolutely wonderful about it. And and uh, the coaches were super supportive. And, and so we're really happy that change was made. So enough about that. I know that took probably longer than you were and had more detail in it than you were probably wanting to have. Okay, what are we talking about today in, in the in the podcast. Well, today we're going to cover the portal. And normally that would not be something that was necessarily super important for people who are in uh, high school. It's definitely something that has changed over the last year, year and a half. And the portal is no longer something that only college students need to worry about. In fact, it's something that high school students need to worry about as well. Because frankly, um, moving forward, high school kids are now competing not just with every other high school kid in the country that plays their position, but they're also competing with the portal. So uh, let's just take a moment and go through what the portal is, how the portal works, how you can find out who's in the portal and who's not in the portal, um, and some additional information about that so that when you're making your decisions and managing your recruiting process, you understand how the possibility of the portal is uh, going to affect uh, potentially your athlete and 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 them playing uh, specifically football at whatever college they they plan on playing at. So what is the portal? The portal is essentially a database that is a national database in which any uh, football player from any college in the country can decide to go back into that database. And so it's actually sorted by position. It's sorted by um, years of eligibility left. 
it's sorted by where your previous school is, et cetera, et cetera. And you can actually go on to 24-7 has a function within their website that allows you to see who is currently in the portal. And um, what it will do, it, it will give uh, rating information regarding you once you decide to go in the portal. If an athlete decides to go in the portal, it will give like his high school rating or if for some reason he received a rating in college, it'll give his college rating. And so at any given time, you can go to 24-7 Sports. You can look up the portal. You can see, let's say you're a wide receiver. You can see all wide receivers that are in the portal, uh, the school that they are coming from, what their status is at this point. So it will show you if they've not committed to another school, if they're just in the portal looking um, for the possibility of, of going to another school. It'll tell you uh, who's interested in them and whether or not they have decided to make a commitment. So let's say you were coming from Michigan or from Ohio State and you were deciding that you wanted to go play for Texas or you wanted to go play for Georgia or Alabama. It would tell you the player. It would tell you their class. It would tell you how much uh, eligibility they have left. And it'll tell you who they're trending towards going to. So if you were to go into quarterbacks, or if you were to go into wide receivers, or if you were to go into interior linemen, it'll tell you who went into the portal, where they're leaning on going, who's uncommitted, and how long they've been in the portal as well. So you can see whether or not they went in the portal and suddenly they got a lot of activity and they were going to be taken to XYZ, a different university, or if they've been in the portal and have been sitting in the portal for a long period of time. It'll also give their rating. Now, some kids have been in the portal and they got in the portal uh, pretty soon after they started college. Maybe they've only been in college one year. Uh, and they decide to go into the portal, that'll give you the rating that 24-7 Sports had given to them prior to them going uh, off to college. And in other cases, you will have kids who are in the portal and let's say they've already played four years. And you say to yourself, how could they have already played four years and and they're in the portal? Well, uh <laughs> Because of COVID, everyone who happened to be in college when COVID happened, that COVID year happened, and they weren't sure whether or not people were going to play or not play, and then the SEC decided, yeah, we're totally playing, and then the ACC decided, yeah, we're totally playing, but other uh, conferences like the Ivy League and and different Division two, two schools decided, oh, we're not going to play. And then the Pac-12 decided, oh, we're going to play, but we're only going to play seven games. And it was such a convoluted response across the entire uh, league that um, they just, the NC2A gave everyone kind of this blanket statement and said, everyone's got an extra year of eligibility. So what you will have is, players who played full four full years, right? But they got that extra uh they got that extra year of eligibility and so perhaps they've already graduated from college and they are saying to themselves, "Oh, I've already graduated. I've done everything that I can for this school. I would like to go somewhere else and play somewhere else." You'll see players like that in the portal. Um and in those cases, 
Um, you have schools who may want to pick them up because they're a proven commodity and they know exactly how they're going to perform in a game situation, so they'll pick them up. So that's essentially what the portal is. The portal is basically a database in which um, you can see everyone who's on the market, right? And and on the market from has already uh, been given a Division One scholarship or a walk-on scholarship or at the college level or the prep level um, is kind of a separate part of the 24-7 sports database. But the portal is a database in which everyone who wants to have the opportunity to play for another school can play for another school. Now, in the past, if you wanted to transfer to another school, you had to have a very compelling reason in why you wanted to transfer. And, and, and essentially, those were viewed at kind of a case-by-case basis, right? So let's say uh, uh, you were playing in Utah, but you were a native of Texas, and um, your mom recently got cancer in Texas, and you wanted to transfer home to Texas in order to be near your mother while she was on uh, uh, going through cancer treatments. You would submit your case to the NC2A and they would sit on it for as long as they wanted to sit on it and everyone was kind of being held hostage by the NC2A about that and then they would rule and depending on uh, the relationship the the NC2A had with the university or depending on uh, almost a lot of the times how your case was written up or how you presented your information they would rule on that and sometimes kids were told yeah you can transfer but you have to sit out of here and other times the if they if a school had a really good relationship with the NC2A and this is perception i have definitely uh no inside information on this they would basically come back to them and they would say no the kid uh you know this kid can go ahead and play out play right out of the gate because you know we liked his case it was compelling enough and so we're going to go ahead and rule on that and let him go ahead and play well there was no kind of rhyme or reason why some kids got granted that exception and other kids didn't get granted that exception so it's kind of part of this whole covid situation all of a sudden the nc2a decided that they were going to allow uh kind of a get out of jail free pass a one-time only transfer rate so anyone that gets in the portal right now can transfer one time and they are automatically eligible. There's no longer that waiting period in any way, shape, or form. They can go ahead and they can play right out of the gate, which changes the way people view the, the portal because previously you were really taking a chance if you went into the portal. Maybe I'll get to play, maybe I won't, maybe I'll have to sit out a year, but now it's a guarantee that you will automatically be eligible the moment that you um, put your name in there. And so it allows for colleges to be able to go ahead and take a chance on you right off the bat if they've decided it's somebody that they've wanted and they wanted for a while and perhaps these are kids that they recruited right out of the gate but then they missed on them and so here's another option for a school to go back and pick up a kid that maybe they missed on the first time 
And there's no more risk for the player because he can go in the portal and whoever picks him up, he can be eligible right off the bat. Now, if you want to transfer a second time, once again, you'll be going under the process of submitting that you want to transfer and then making a ruling. And frankly, because the rules now are so lax when it comes to doing the one-time transfer, if you weren't want to transfer again, chances are you probably are going to have to sit out a year because they gave you that one-time get-out-of-jail-free card and you squandered it potentially. <laughs> so they're not as lax if you want to transfer a second time. So that explains what the portal is and what the rules are around the portal. So let's talk about who goes into the portal. What kind of person would go into the portal? Well, in the old days, and when I say the old days, I'm talking even three years ago, um, the portal was very much, uh, had a bad narrative around it. People would make all sorts of assumptions about you and your character based on whether or not you went in the portal. So if you went in the portal, um, they would, the kind of the story was, oh, this person doesn't like competition. They were promised X, Y, and Z, and they didn't fulfill their potential. So they're quitting and they're trying to find another team to go to or I mean all very negative stuff around the portal and people would kind of make up the story about you that you were a quitter um that simply is not the case anymore because of a, a number of different factors kids absolutely go in the portal for a number of different reasons and frankly uh, the closer I am to college football, the less I have any sort of judgments about why anyone would go in the portal. So sometimes you go in the portal because your school has actively tried to recruit someone to your position in which you were going to be the starter. And maybe there's new coaches that have come in and they want to bring in their guy, right? You might want need to go in the portal because you uh, committed to a different group of coaches and those coaches now have left for another job and maybe the new coaches don't think you're their guy. And I cannot uh, stress the importance of being the coach's guy uh, simply because that happens all the time. If we look at what happened this last year, frankly... From my perspective, USA, US, USC screwed everybody up. They decided to fire Clay Hilton uh, the second or the third game out of the gate and go with an interim coach, right? And everyone was like, oh, wow. I mean, normally you'd give a guy four or five games um, before you would fire him, but they literally gave him the shortest rope ever and they fired him right out of the gate. And that left USC in a situation where they were actively looking for a coach for a majority of the season. And they were doing that while also playing games with an interim head coach. Well, the person that they named to the interim head coach was someone who had been a position coach, but simply didn't have the background in order to become a head coach, um, at that point. So they were actively looking for a coach somewhere else in, in the country. And uh, mid-November is when the USC decided to pull that trigger. And they decided to uh, get Lincoln Riley to leave his team that was in the college football uh, playoff discussion, definitely, and possibly, um, possibly even could have made the college football playoff. And they offered a position to, uh, to Lincoln Riley 
from Oklahoma at USC. Lincoln Riley took that position. His players had to hear about it on social media. They didn't uh, find out in person because it happened so quickly and over a weekend. So in comes Lincoln Riley to USC. And the second you have a void in a, a power five coaching position within uh, a top 10 team, all the other folks that are looking to possibly hire someone or fire someone had to go ahead and pull the trigger on that because there's only so many qualified people at that position. And so if you wanted to get your head coach of choice, you need to pull pull the trigger on that. So we saw unprecedented, crazy moves throughout the entire industry in which uh, the head coach of Notre Dame went to LSU and uh the one of the coordinators from Clemson then took over the Oklahoma spot and the entire Oregon staff went to Miami or Texas Tech or to Nevada. And the amount of coaching changes that happened this year in 2021 prior to the end of the season was completely insane and unprecedented. So by the time you got to bowl game season, hardly any of the coaches that were coaching teams in bowl games were the coaches that a majority of these kids started out with. Now, if you're a coach, you can go ahead and leave and you can go to another program. No harm, no foul, no waiting period. Uh, In fact, chances are you're going to make more money. Chances are you're going to be in a much better situation. The only problem you're going to run into from a coaching perspective is you've built recruiting classes at these other universities of prep kids and possible uh, transfer portal kids that you're going to sign. And now you're in a situation where you've sold them on school one, but you've gone to school two. And so sometimes there's going to be a lot of attrition that way. So for instance, I can only speak about Oregon because I actually... I'm only directly involved with the Oregon situation. They had a pretty full uh, class of kids that were ready to sign and ready to go and come in early um, on the early signing period. When Mario Cristobal ended up taking that job at the University of Miami, um, that class went to hell. And, <laughs> and when I say went to hell, it went, you had a bunch of parents and kids and Um, you had a bunch of possible recruits that were going to assign who thought they very much understood what was happening in the current signing class. And then all of a sudden that coach went there and the defensive court coach went to, uh, Texas Tech and the linebackers coach went to Nevada and you went from being very clear about what you were signing on the dotted line to having no idea who the new coach was going to be, what how they were going to view you, whether or not you had any sort of relationship with them before. And so you saw a lot of kids, not just at Oregon, but across the board who decommitted, who opened back up their recruiting because they needed to look and see wait a minute, am I committing to something that I still want to commit to? Was I committing to the school? Was I committing specifically to a relationship with a coach? Like, what was I doing there? So all the change and shift that happened with the coaches prior to the early signing period definitely had an impact 
on uh, the regular signing day versus the early signing day. Normally, a majority of the folks would have been all signed, sealed, and delivered in the early signing period. This time, the second signing period is actually going to be way more exciting because there's so many kids that are still on the table who haven't made commitments, and they really are coming down to the final moments before they make those commitments. Now, I know we're talking about the portal, so let's talk about how that affected the portal. Well, if you were a QB or you're a wide receiver, or you were a running back and you had a great relationship with your current coaching staff and then your entire coaching staff is gone and off to other schools, you may want to say, wait a minute, I don't know how I fit into the current coaching staff. Maybe I want to go in the portal. Okay. Uh, there are kids who thought they were being developed at a certain level, who thought they were going to be up and coming into the starting lineup, or they understood how their development was going to happen, even if they weren't starters. And suddenly all the coaches that believed in them and developed them were are off to other places. Those are kids that are going to absolutely look at going into the transfer portal because now they are at a situation where they're starting from the scratch and they have no idea how the new coaching staff actually regards them. Additionally, you have kids who are walk-ons who have made really, really good relationships with previous coaching staffs, and maybe those coaching staffs went to a different program, and now those kids are being offered full-ride scholarships. So, for instance, when Ken Wilson, our linebackers coach at Oregon, took the head coaching job at, uh, the, at the University of Nevada, which is a great school, um, he knew there were kids that were on our roster, on the Oregon roster, that were more depth-related and possibly walk-ons that would have absolutely a chance at starting and playing at the University of Nevada. And when those kids expressed an, int- an interest in possibly going into the uh, transfer portal or went into the transfer portal, that then frees up Ken Wilson to give them a full-ride offer. A full-ride offer that they may never have gotten if they were at the University of Oregon. And of course, that's what we want, right? We want people to get to play. We want people to play at a university that values them. We want them to play with coaches that value with them. So as much as the coaching churn is very difficult for players, there are some people who come out of that and they're in really good shape because maybe they had only a walk-on situation before and now they've got a full-ride scholarship. So we definitely want to change the narrative about who goes in the portal. It's no longer guys who can't compete or guys that um, got homesick, or that kind of thing. If coaches can switch from school to school to school during the off period, then there's no reason in the world why a player can't look at his situation at the college he's at and see whether or not he's going to be playing And if there's an opportunity for him to transfer and go somewhere else and actually get that playing time, then there's no reason why he shouldn't do that. And frankly, we need to stop having judgments around the portal because it's certainly, we never apply that to the coaches. We seem to only apply that to the players. Okay, so with that kind of background in mind, when is it a good idea to go in the portal and when isn't it? So... Um, overwhelmingly, it's not a good idea to go in the portal if you have no college film. 
Because the truth of the matter is, then what you're doing is you're competing against people who are coming out of high school. Like a majority of the people that listen to this podcast are people who have kids in high school. And kids in high school are are new, they're moldable, they haven't gotten into any bad habits, they're ready to compete, they understand the situation that they're coming into. Um, and their film is relative to the level that they were playing at. If you have been at college for one or two years and you decide to go in the transfer portal and you don't have a really good idea of a relationship that you think may be able to get, uh, may be able to get you a scholarship somewhere else, there are 60% of the kids that go into the portal who never come out of the portal. They simply go into the portal and there and no one ever picks them up. So it's important to not leave where you're going unless you have film or unless you have a good idea of who it is that you think you're going to go play for. Um, and then from a high school perspective, here's the other thing. Um, if you have a college that's high on you, that is offering you, that wants you to commit and sign to them with them, and you forwent the signing period, the initial signing period, and then a bunch of kids flooded the transfer portal between the early signing period and the second signing period, you are absolutely putting yourself in jeopardy of having that uh, scholarship offer pulled because they can pick up somebody from the transfer portal that they know has college playing time, that they know has the ability uh, to play that position at a college level and generally has film to back it up. So before you don't make a commitment, you better go onto that portal and see who's available out there and who you're really competing with. Because especially like let's say you're a quarterback and you're coming out of high school, but they've got a quarterback who's got three years at the at the SEC level, and they know have a ton of film on him. Who do you think a school's going to go with? A school's going to go with someone that they know is a proven entity versus a possible entity. So make sure that you're aware of the players that are in the portal at your position when you're looking to make a commitment or not make a commitment. The other thing that's happening with the portal is that NIL is absolutely getting meshed and entrenched within the portal. So uh, if you're a guy, for instance, uh, Caleb Williams is currently in the portal. I have no inside information about what Caleb Williams is going to do. Caleb Williams was the quarterback who was brought in uh, for a bench Spencer Rattler at the University of Oklahoma, and he went on to win the game in which they benched Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler went into the transfer portal, and now he's with the University of South Carolina. Caleb Williams played the entire season, and once he was done with the entire season, he went in the portal. Now, if I'm reading the tea leaves and I know that Lincoln Riley, his old coach and his mentor and the person who benched Spencer Rattler to bring in him is at USC, if I'm going to make, if I'm a betting person, I'm probably betting that he's going to USC. 
However, because there's NIL situation now, and NIL is name, image, and likeness. And what that means is prior, you you couldn't make any money off your name, your image, or your likeness when playing college. In July, the NC2A took off the name, image, and likeness uh, restrictions. And so now any college in the country with the resources and the boosters can put together a package in which not only are you getting a free education, but you're also making additional money on top of that in order to play for the university by endorsing products or using your name, image, and likeness to provide value for a company, right? The deals that are putting together that they're putting together in Los Angeles for uh, Caleb Williams are rumored to be in the two point five million dollars, uh, both at a USC standpoint or a UCLA standpoint. Well, that's very very difficult if you're the QB. Um, at any of those universities who has already signed and played for them for zero dollars in NIL. Um, now it's being seen when you're in a transfer portal as kind of a buying decision, i.e. it's one thing to have a university like me and think I'm amazing and want me to come play for them. And there's definitely some sales and marketing that goes into that from the university side. It's another thing where they're putting together a financial package to tell me I'm worth that for them. So if I'm Caleb Williams and I stay at Oklahoma, maybe they'll put something together for me. But if I go to this other program, UCLA or USC, and they're putting together a package rumored at $2.5 million, as as an athlete, what are you going to do? It's telling them not only do... uh, they want me, but they're willing to put a financial stake in the ground to tell me that they want me. So a lot of kids are using NIL and the possibility of making money at the college level as a reason to go into the portal as well. So sometimes they're following coaches, sometimes they're chasing money, but what you need to do is you need to always be aware of how that affects your recruiting. How is the people that you've got on your board that you're really interested in, how are they starting to participate in the NIL? Are they paying specific players to come in? Who are they paying to come in? How does that affect the position you're playing and whether or not you'll have a shot at getting a scholarship there? Or secondarily, how does that affect your ability to get on the field? Have they already paid for the players that are going to be on the field because nobody pays an athlete or gets puts together a package for an athlete for, you know, thousands slash millions of dollars in order for that player to sit on the bench. So just important things uh, to keep in mind when you are dealing with looking at the portal, what it means for you as a prep player, how you're getting there, Um, And whether or not that affects who you can commit to and how many scholarships they have available as well as their buying decision and whether or not they are truly interested in you.
Now, it's my personal opinion. If you're coming from high school and you're going into college, I don't think anybody's worth any money until they've gotten on the field and proved themselves. And then I think, frankly, you can buy all the players you want, but it's not going to buy you a championship. What it's going to buy you is a te- potentially a bunch of prima donnas. So I'm not a giant fan of putting together NIL deals for uh, kids to play. I can definitely think of ways that there may be financial incentives in in order for outcome, but I don't know that there should be a bunch of uh, financial incentives just to show up and, and be on campus. But this is the world we live in. And the NCAA had uh, literally 25 years in which they could have made different decisions or put regulations or come up with a set of rules that would work for everyone, but instead they let that opportunity pass them by, and right now it's kind of the Wild West, and and anything and everything kind of goes as long as there is some sort of sponsorship involved and that it's not necessary play-to-play, but, I mean, they're very thin rules, and people are finding their way around them. Okay, guys, this is all we're going to talk about relative to the portal at this point. I also just want to uh, give a shout out to my fans because I had the most lovely thing happen yesterday. I had a fan in Texas that figured out how to leave me a recorded message telling me how much uh, they appreciate my podcast in Texas, and I just want to say that, fan, thank you. That was kind of an out-of-the-blue thing, and it totally made my night and uh, definitely spurred me to record an additional episode today. So there you go. Um, I think in the next little bit, I'll probably record another podcast where we will go over what to expect once your athlete gets to college. Um, There's a ton of stuff that happens the moment they get to college. And then I may end up doing kind of a series around what to expect the first year. Um, Because I think we have a lot of athletes and or athlete adjacent folks who wonder, like, once I get to college and actually commit and go through this whole process, what happens then? And I definitely have some insight on that as well. But with that in mind, um, I'm just going to end this with our motto, which is just do the next right thing, one thing at a time. It will take you all the way home. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.